Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the By Word Show. I'm so glad you're here today. Hope you guys have had a great week so far and are doing well. I'm excited today because we have got author Jen Pollock Michelle with us here, and I just cannot wait to dive into this conversation today. You guys have heard me talk about things like hustle culture on the show before, and we're going to be talking about some of these topics that have been a part of actually Jen's book in good time. So as we're getting started, Jen, would you just introduce yourself to our audience? Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you got to where you are today. Sure. Gosh, how did I get to where I am today? That could be a long <laughs> story. This is like, you know, when you, somebody is asked to share their testimony, I have this really funny story in small group where someone was sharing their testimony and they started with when their mother was born and it was very long and I oh think my I gosh. fell asleep. So I won't go that far back, <laughs> but I live in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I've only lived here for a year. I lived the previous 11 years in Canada, in Toronto. So our family is dual American and Canadian citizens. We were all born and raised um, in the States. Well, my husband and I were born and raised in the States, and then we raised our five children in Canada for most of their lives. And three are now wow. in college in Canada, two are in high school now in Cincinnati. And um, I used to teach high school French and English when I was way, way back after college graduation, which turned into some editing opportunities, which just turned into a writing journey and published my first mm. book about 10 years ago and five books since. And so I kind wow. of feel like I got on a train that I didn't know exactly where it was going, but that is often how it works in life. Right. <laughs> I love that. That's really cool. And I'm so excited to get to talk to you about one of your recent books, In Good Time, which is all about reimagining productivity, resisting hurry, and practicing peace. So as you've been writing through the years, what initially got you interested in exploring and writing about these specific topics? Mm-hmm. I have been kind of a time fanatic, honestly, my entire life. Um, I mean, back into like high school, um, although I didn't, you know, really know time management in terms of like, I wasn't reading books or anything, but my first time management book I read in college and I was like, this is awesome. I want to squeeze absolutely every ounce of productivity out of my day. <laughs> And I guess that was just because I was always a person who, and I wouldn't even necessarily count myself as like super ambitious. I think I just had like a lot of plans and projects that I wanted to mm -hmm. get done. And, and I think, you know, you layer on top of that, just this idea of like being a Christian. And I went to Wheaton College and the slogan was, you know, for Christ and his kingdom. So it's like every minute for Christ and his kingdom. Right. And, um, and then my life just got busier and busier and busier transitioning from from, you know, full-time work and grad school and coaching responsibilities to like, you know, I had five kids at home, seven and younger. And, um, and then, you know, started writing books when they were a little bit older. And so I've just always had, I think a lot on the go. And I think I felt like that was a good life, you know, that that mm. was a really, maybe even just a pleasing life to God. Um, and I think I started to rethink all of that in 2020, as everybody else did, you know, when we were faced yeah. with like a whole rhythm of life that was unfamiliar. And what I noticed about myself was that I was just trying to make myself busy, you know, even within the four walls of my house, you know, I was just one of those people who was reading all of the articles, like, here's the time to clean your garage and clean out your closets <laughs> and learn how to make challah. And, you know, I was like, absolutely. I wanted, 
you know, I want to, I want this time to be productive. And, and I think that fell apart fairly quickly. And that's when I was just starting to think like, there's something is kind of even almost pathological about my frenzy to make Mm. every minute count. So what is that about? Yes, I really relate to that. And it's so funny you said in 2020, because I feel like that's when a lot of us realized, oh, I am not comfortable with slowing down. I Mm -hmm. really am familiar and comfortable in the go, go, go. And it's catching up to me or, you know, and like, I remember in 2020, I had just had our son. And so it's just this crazy season of like, okay, what, what was working may not be working, but I just feel so drawn to that hustle. And, Mm -hmm. and it's like, oh, you have all this time. What are you going to do with it and be productive and all these things. But I so relate to the frenzy of that, like you said, and you touch on this idea of time anxiety. Could you Mm -hmm. talk to us about that? Yeah. I mean, for, I think that comes in a lot of different forms. So I think for me in particular, time anxiety is a lot about like getting things done, you know, kind of the anxiety of, I have so much to do. My to-do list is so long. How am I ever going to get it all done? I'm just so busy. Um, So there's just a very practical kind of time anxiety, just like there aren't enough hours in the day. Um, I think there are other time anxieties that I, you know, are deeper, um, too. And, you know, part of it is sometimes like fear about missed opportunities, you know, regrets about the past, um, worries and concerns about the future. I mean, these are all anxieties that are time related. Um, you know, I don't experience this as much as my kids, but I mean, my 20 something Mm. kids are experiencing the time anxiety of like, how's my life going to matter? Like I have all these, um, ways that I'm supposed to like make my life cosmically meaningful and become important, you know, within the first five years out of college. Um, and so I see a lot of time anxiety, even in just in terms of making decisions, you know, the, so many decisions, so many options and choices, so much pressure, um, to kind of like be great really fast, you know, to somehow like climb into the, the ladder of influence, um, effortlessly by the time you're like 20. Um, right. So I think those are time anxieties too. And I think, I think these are older, um, anxieties. I think they've been with us for a long time as human beings. And that's, that's a lot of what I see in scripture, you know, is that Mm. I think they all kind of boil down to essentially the human life is short. Um, and it's really too short for a lot of the things we might aspire to, you know, we kind of feel like our lives are, are tragically brief and, and they are, you know, don't think that we were meant for 70, 80 years, you know, we were, Hmm. you know, if you want to go back to the story of the garden, you know, we were, Adam and Eve had the opportunity to eat the tree of um, the fruit of the tree of life and, and live forever. Um, and so there is a way in which, and just to get like kind of brutally honest, a way in which I think death haunts all of us. Um, mm. And you don't have to be like 80 for that to be true. You don't have to be terminally ill for that to be true. You, we may not recognize it as kind of the shadow of death um, haunting our lives, but I think we're all just afraid, like time's slipping through our fingers And what do we do with the panic around that? Yeah, that absolutely makes sense, especially because like you said, culture is 
praising the hustle more and more. Like we're applauded for it. Productivity and achievements, like it's like this badge of honor. You know, everybody talks about like carrying around and, oh, what are you doing with your life? And there's so much pressure in your early 20s, -hmm. but we're hearing it from everywhere and from everyone. And so it's no wonder that we're like, oh my gosh, I have to make every second count because it's true. Like that weight of (laughs) impermanence Mm -hmm is there. And it just, it's like, how, how do we even, how do we even reconcile this? Like what, what would you say are the biggest dangers of that hurry and the hustle culture that we need to be aware of? Mm. Well, I think one of the dangers is the illusion that you can hack it. Like you can hack time, Mm. which is really what I thought for, I mean, years, like decades, honestly, like I was just always picking up the newest book or, um, you know, I mean, I don't know, just the, the latest influencer on, you know, time management, like, yeah, there must be something that I can learn. And if I implement this like cool strategy, or if I get this like new app or, um, maybe go back to the analog planner, you know, somehow (laughs) I'm going to be able to hack it and then I'm not going to feel panicked. And that's Mm. when in 2020, I realized like, that's just, just not true. I mean, I thought that busyness was my problem, but suddenly like I wasn't busy and I was just inventing busyness, um, to kind of feel good about myself. So I think that's a huge danger is just to feel that. And there's a lot of consumerism kind of involved in that too. Cause a lot of it is like, buy this thing, you know, this, this aid, this tool, this planner, this, you know, whatever book, um, and then, and then that's going to solve all of your problems. So I think that's a danger. Right. Um, you know, and I think the danger is just to not observe our limits, um, mm. where we just don't like to admit that we can't do it all, even if we're like moving as fast as possible, you know, no matter how much you hustle, um, you're still going to confront your limits, you know, and sometimes it's in a season of maybe physical ill health. You know, where Mm. all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, you know, like I have a diagnosis, I have chronic fatigue, or I'm depressed, or um, I just had a baby, or, you know, whatever, where your body is just different and it's not functioning kind of at top speed. And so the danger of wanting to live a life that is kind of superhuman and not human. Um, And I think that you know, the dangers to that are very obvious. As soon as you don't observe your limits, you're in danger of burnout. You know, you're in danger of like a real, I mean, you could have a psychic break, you know, where just you crumble under the pressure of your own expectations. And I guess to be, you know, kind of to think really deeply about it too. I think the danger of just missing out on kind of the deep, an abiding life that Jesus talked about in John 15, you know, that really Mm. the only measure of spiritual health, um, it's not about getting things done. It's not about being super duper organized and, you know, just on top of your game. It's like, do you abide in me? Do my words abide in you? And I love that John 15, like that word abide in some translations is, um, translated as rest. And sometimes it's translated Mm. as remain. And those all were, all of those words kind of figure a sort of kind of stillness, not a hustle, you know, like I think 
abide, remain, rest, you know, don't feel like synonyms to hustle, hurry, and, you know, try to eke out every productive minute of the day. Um, right. And so the danger of just missing the life we're actually really made for. Yeah, that totally makes sense. And I feel like so many women can relate to that urgency you talked about, like, oh, I have this idea. I have to do it now. I can't, you know, like there's, mm -hmm. there's no sense of stillness, really. Like, I feel like stillness and rest have become something we have to fight for. Or even yeah. like at this point, we feel like we have to work to a point where it's like we've earned the rest or we feel like, okay, I've done enough now that I'm okay with taking a break. And you're so right. Like that is not God's heart for us at all. Like that's not how he designed us to work. And it's, it really is crazy when you have those seasons and it catches up to you either mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally, like it really does. So mm. what have you found to be true of like God's actual heart and design for the way we were meant to operate from mm. that place of rest? Well, one of the things I talk about in one of the chapters is just um, and this was not my insight. This was actually um, AJ Swoboda has a book on Sabbath. And he says, you know, it's really amazing when you think about you go all the way back to Genesis and a Adam and Eve are made on day six. And, you know, they're released into their very first day into the world to rest. Like their first day is a mm. day of rest. And mm. he says, like, how counterintuitive is this? You know, because God's like, actually, he's giving them really important work to do, too. He's basically like, here's the world. Make something <laughs> yeah. of it, you know, like subdue the earth. Um, be my co-regents reign, you know, here in this in this physical world and um, under my rule. And, you know, but they don't get started on that, like right away, you know, they're released on the very first day into a day of rest. And this idea that like rest is such a gift, it is a gift from mm. God. And it's a gift that is apart from having to earn it. Um, and I think rest for so many of us is like, it has to become a practice, you know, it's mm. like, it's not going to happen if you don't make it a habit. Truthfully, I was a young yeah. mom with, I think I had three kids at the time when I finally was like, it was the busy, it was a crazy busy time. And I thought I'm not going to survive if I don't begin to integrate rest into my life, you know, some mm -hmm. form of it. And I think there's a lot of creativity that we can exercise in terms of rest. Um, you know, some of us think, well, I've got young kids or I'm a doctor, you know, I'm in residency or I have some crazy life situation that doesn't allow me a 24 hour period to just sit on my couch. You know? And right. it's like, well, that doesn't have to be exactly what Sabbath looks like. Um, I mean, I think there are different ways we are made and different ways we experience rest. And so I think we can get really creative about it. Um, but the creativity I think is going to come from the conviction that like, it actually is a promise that, and, and an offer that's extended to us, whether we've had a good mm. week or a bad week or whether we've gotten through our list or not. Um, and I think it, the, you know, the crazy thing is once you begin to integrate more rest and stillness into your life, you start to realize things don't fall apart quite as quickly as you thought. Like hmm. as soon as you sort of like 
take your hand off the wheel. Um, like, I mean, here's an example, even this is just a small way. It's not even really a Sabbath practice, but I don't look at my phone for the first couple of hours of the day. And that started in 2020. I just have like a long runway into my day, which is like, you know, prayer and writing and exercise. Love and, that. Um, I just decided like, I didn't need to just, I didn't need to look at my phone right away. And like, no one really misses me <laughs> that much <laughs> in the morning. And that rest could was more available to me it was available to me earlier than I took it um Sundays you know like I just don't I don't generally do email I don't do paid work you know paid professional work on Sundays like and you know it's something that I have like if I have a deadline on Monday of something I gotta get it done you know before Saturday evening kind of rolls around so there's a way that I organize my week around rest um and sometimes, you know, it's not easy to rest because that thing is dangling in your mind on Sunday and you think about it all day long. <laughs> right. Um, but the cool thing is, I, I guess just the underlying idea here is that we are made for rest. It is offered to us. We could be creative about taking it if we truly believed that it, that God was providing it for us. That's such a good point. I hear that a lot when I talk to people about rest. They're like, oh, life is just so crazy right now. My job is crazy. Kids are crazy. Like life is crazy. I, I There's no way I could take a whole day off from everything. And it, it was such a good point you made about how it can be as simple as just a little bit of margin in the mornings, yeah. not getting on your phone first thing deciding not to respond to an email on Sunday. Like those can be just as impactful, especially mm -hmm. if we are starved for rest <laughs> and we just need a little bit to remind us like, oh, you're right. Like mm -hmm. life goes on when I take a few <laughs> minutes away from social media or my phone, the notifications and all the other things that feel so pressing and urgent in the moment. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying as well about how knowing your limitations is so important and how we are wired for peace. So as you're kind of processing this in your own life and starting to make these changes, where did you start? when it came to actually starting to resist the hurry and find that peace. Um, and even in busy seasons of life, like how, how has that played out for you? Yeah. Well, I th it's really good to be able to make a distinction between when a busy season is choosing you and when you're choosing mm -hmm. busy, um, because I think the That's answers good. are going to be different. Um, you know, there have been seasons in my life where, you know, busy really was just choosing me. Um, you know, I had my last, my numbers four and five of my children are twins and like, that was just a busy season. Hmm. And, you know, I had to just sort of accept it. And I think, so I think one of the things you have to start with is you have to start with the givens of your life. Um, because if you don't start with the givens, it's easy to idealize a life that you just, that just might not be possible. Um, mm -hmm. You know, maybe a given is, we already talked about like a physical limitation in some way. You don't have the energy or the capacity that you might've had in a previous season. And you have to just receive that, accept that as kind of a limit until you get a sense of like the proper boundaries of your life. You know, what are my responsibilities? Who are the people that I'm really investing in? You 
you know, what are the relationships that matter to me? What's my work life like really about in this particular season? You know, how's the health of my body and my mind and my spirit? You know, what is God calling me to until you like, don't, you can't make any decisions until you can really wrap your brain around the givens of your life. Um, and sometimes when you ask those hard questions, you start to see, well, I thought this was a given, but maybe actually this is like an optional kind of thing, mm. you know, where um, you might be able to eliminate some things. And that is what was true for me, um, is that when I started to grapple with the limits of my time, I just started to see, you know, the reason I run around crazy is because I'm doing too much. Um, and so what are some things that I can cut out? You know, what are some ways that, what are the things that God's calling me to ultimately? And how do I make space for that? How do I say yes to those things? And always every good yes is going to require like multiple no's. Mm. And one of the things that I realized, and so one very tangible kind of spiritual practice I have is I wrote a rule of life. You know, I learned about that. I've been reading about that for many, many years about how the monks and the nuns essentially kind of created a working document for their communities. And it was like, you know, here are, here are the spiritual practices that we're going to have, but here are also the practices of work and study and hospitality that we're going to have. And so these kind of like just a rootedness in terms of commitment and the values that they were really embracing. Um, and that's just something that I, I, I finally kind of was working on for myself um, so that I could just make better decisions in time. And I actually, and what I started with was, you know, starting with the givens of my life. What are, what's God calling me to? And what are the real capacities I need for those givens? And so it was, you know, I dropped some volunteer commitments, but then some of the things like I, I went, I leaned toward even more fully and said, I want to give myself to this. Um, you know, a big change in our lives as we moved to Cincinnati, as I mentioned um, at the mm -hmm. beginning of the podcast, um, to care for my mom who was diagnosed with Alzheimer's a year ago. And so grappling with like to say yes to that, moving here, being close to her, being kind of like her main source of support. I don't have siblings. She's um, a widow or a widow. Um means like, I have to say no to other things. Like I just, this is just not, for example, a season of my life that I'm doing much volunteering outside of that, you know, mm -hmm. I do some one-off things at church. Um, but I've had seasons in my life where I was able to give more in terms of volunteering. And this is just not one of them. One of the things I'm doing too, was just, you know, I was starting to recognize that like, I wanted, I had more desires to, you know, do some work things, you know, kind of create some boundaries around my work life. I find it very difficult because I work from home. So I can sort of be endlessly flexible. <laughs> and sometimes mm -hmm. that's what I do is like, you know, <laughs> anybody calls or needs something. And, you know, a lot of times it's my kids, but sometimes it's other people too. You know, I kind of drop things and run toward the invitation, the, the need of the day. And sometimes that's the right thing to do. But what I think more regularly, I just needed to create, I'm kind of trying to guard my mornings a little bit better to like get my work done and then have some flexibility later in the afternoon to even do conversations like this. So there are, 
you know, there's no hack. I mean, again, to sort of like, I can't fit it all in. That's what I'm not doing anymore. Mm. I'm not reaching for the next time management book. Like, oh, I bet like this is going to solve all my problems. Like I've <laughs> right. recognized now time is short. My aspirations are very big and they're too big <laughs> for the, the life that I've been given. So how can I be more realistic and constantly like expectant too of what God can do with the loaves and fishes of my day? I mean, for sure, the minutes are scarce and somehow God can use them and I'm going to trust him and also just try not to be unwise. Mm. That is really, really good. And I'm glad you brought that up because I feel like there's so many women living in that tension. I mean, I've definitely been there myself of struggling with, okay, how do I know when it's time to be still and wait mm. and when it's time to take initiative on a dream, idea, passion, project, whatever it may be? Do you have any wisdom for that as far as discerning the season and mm. when to be still, when to run? I think you have to ask some deeper questions. I'm currently actually in a season about that right now. I don't have another book contracted. So I'm sort of like, do I want, like, what's the next big project to do? And I am in a bit of a sort of waiting season, like, you know, pause, put the pause button. Um, and I'm not like <laughs> sure, like, should I be like hitting play or I don't know, fast forward. I don't know right. what should I be doing. I think that here are some questions that I think are good. Um, I think it's always good to identify fear. Sometimes mm. fear is the thing that keeps us on pause. You know, we're afraid to maybe take that next risk. We're afraid to be rejected, to fail at something, you know, and whenever I see fear, I'm just like, no, no, no. Like, this is absolutely not the place to be. So if mm. it's a waiting that's, that feels a, more fearful, like, I'm just not going to get near the edge of that cliff. Then I would say, Lord, you know, this is the season for praying. Lord, give me courage. Give mm. me, um, yeah, give me the courage for the risks that are going to in, be a part of whatever that next thing is. Like, you never eliminate risk ever, ever, ever in your life. Um, so if you can identify fear, um, that's a good thing to sometimes just nudge you out of a season of waiting that might be just yeah. more about your own kind of lack of courage. Um, but if, you know, maybe you just don't have clear direction, which is kind of like, I can't, I'm not identifying fear right now in this season of my life. I'm just lacking clarity. And I think that is something to pay attention to, um, mm -hmm. to maybe just waiting is gonna, you just need to wait a little bit longer. You can seek counsel. Um, one of the things that I realized about myself in a waiting season is it's so uncomfortable that sometimes I solicit a lot of feedback because I just want somebody to tell me what to do. You know, yeah. <laughs> I, want, I want them to say, well, this is your next project. Go run with that. And, um, I, you know, that'll just spare me the uncertainty of the waiting. And mm -hmm. I had a phone call scheduled last week for exactly that purpose. And just like the day before I realized, no, I have to cancel this phone call because it's only going to confuse me more. Like I, what I, I'm waiting on discerning right now, I'm in a season of discernment. I don't have the clarity. I'm seeking it. I don't identify fear. So I think I'm just still waiting. Um, 
And some, and, you know, and then I guess this would be the last thing that I would say is that we have just, we can have so much confidence in God's good guidance and shepherding. Like mm. we don't have to get tied up into knots that like, you know, one wrong turn and you are off the path um, because that's just not right. the way that it works. And so, and that is something that I'm considering too. Like as I continue to wait and think, well, I don't have clarity. I am asking the question, am I seeking a clarity that I might never have? You know, maybe God is saying to me in this particular season, you could go any number of different directions. And, you know, what is, I was speaking to a friend yesterday, uh, last week, and she was just reminding me of the subject of my first book, which is all about how God so often leads us through our desires. Um, mm. So what is it that I even want for this next season? I'm not even sure I can answer that. So that to me feels like, okay, I need to, there's still some things to discern and wait on. Um, but getting with a trusted friend, um, this is really good to process with because sometimes you just can't even, you just can't even see, you don't even know mm -hmm. how to answer these questions. So talking to somebody else about them, getting some spiritual direction, having a mentor, like all of those are great. Just being in a small group, you know, some sort of community that you're regularly in where you can have other people pray for you too is really important. Yeah, that's really good advice because it's so uncomfortable <laughs> sitting in the waiting sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. especially like when you're coming out of college or when you're in a transition or you, people are asking, oh, what's next for you? And, and it's like you feel this obligation to give people an answer or to figure out the next step or to, you know, know where you're going to go. And sometimes we just don't have yeah. the next step yet. And it's and it's OK. Um, but I feel like sometimes that's where the panic can come in, too. However, mm -hmm. what I love that you emphasize is the hope that comes and also the peace that comes when we break free from that pressure to hurry and figure things out and get grounded in God's timing. So mm -hmm. could you share kind of what that has looked like for you? Mm hmm. Yeah. Well, God, I mean, it's, it's such a mystery to think about how God is the, I am, you know, like never, um, thwarted by the past, you know, never stymied by like, Oh, you know, that happened yesterday. So whew, what am I going to do today? Um, <laughs> based on that scenario, like God's outside of time. And so there are ways in which like, I can feel stuck. You know, a lot of it is sometimes about the past, you know, I, this happened, therefore the future is foreclosed, you know, in certain ways, or I made this mistake, therefore, you know, uh, I'll never have this opportunity or something. I um, mean, just to realize like, that's not the way that it works with God, you know, because if God <laughs> stands outside of time, his plans and his purposes, his will, like these are never thwarted by time. You know, he can get his will done. It doesn't matter, you know, whatever happened yesterday and whatever lies ahead. Um, yeah. And so that's just a real, I don't know, a way to kind of trust, you know, and believe. And, you know, I think one of the things getting grounded in God's timing too, is also just to recognize like, we don't, we are never going to have his perspective. 
you know, his ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Like God, if you think about, I love like, the, I think it's in the book of Isaiah and it might be Jeremiah, but you know, there's this image of like, God can stand above the earth, you know, I mean, the, all the galaxies of the world, you know, and, and look down and see it all, you know, he, and he sees all mm. of time from beginning to end, like nothing is hidden from him. And yet that's not our perspective. Right. Um, and so just to recognize that's not the perspective that I will ever have. And so how do I sort of operate in the way that the Israelites did in the wilderness? Like, you get the pillar of cloud for um, the day, you get the pillar of fire for night. And when you're meant to move, you know, it moves it, and you follow. And then when yeah. it remains, you stay. And so you don't get the five-year plan. <laughs> you get like, you know, what's, you know, happening today. Even Jesus said, right? Like, give us this day our daily bread. That actually is a repetition mm. of day, like today, twice in that, you know, give us this day our daily bread, as if we just need to be reminded today is the only day that we can really concern ourselves with. Mm. And so how do you ground yourself in God's time? And I think one of the things you have to do is you have to get God's perspective. Like, you have to, like somehow gain the faith to know what his perspective is, which I think is related to all the habits and practices that we have to root ourselves in his truth. You know, um, I've been regularly reading scripture since I became a Christian at 16. And somebody told me at that time that that would be one of the most important habits that I would have. And I was a super legalistic at like 16. I was like, <laughs> I will do this because I've been told and they said 10 minutes a day. So I will you know, <laughs> start the timer now. Um, and, but I don't like, even for the reasons that I've done it, that have not always been good and right. I think it's been a grounding practice in my life. Cause I don't know how you have any view other than like the, just the three feet in front of you until you like read the story of God's revelation of himself that like lifts your eyes to the heavens, you know, lifts your eyes beyond your own circumstances and helps you to remember that, you know, he never leaves and never forsakes. Um, so those are some, you know, ways like it, it's a really big question. You know, how do I live in God's time? Everything mm. is challenging us to, live the values of what you've described of like hurry culture, hustle culture, time management, be productive. If you're not moving fast, you are falling behind. Right. And to, to like enter into a different story. I've always said that reading the Bible, I think is about restoring us. It's just like, Oh, you thought you were living this drama. But actually, there's a whole nother story that's at work here. And you're yeah. not even the main character. Um, <laughs> so getting that perspective, I think, is really important. Yeah. And honestly, the more that I think about it, it's honestly freeing because it takes the weight mm -hmm. off of us to have it all figured out. We're not the ones who have to know the, the five-year plan, the next step, yes. you know, and it's and it brings us back to relationship with him because it is depending on him. Like you said, daily bread, staying rooted in him, staying grounded in him. I feel like that's the only way we can really 
be rooted in his timing and then we get the peace and then we get the rest, but it's so backwards because everybody's telling us you need to know the answers, like sit down Mm. and ask yourself these questions so you can make the plan and you can have the daily practices that always keep you moving forward. And rest is really a part of that conversation. So I Mm. love this idea that you said restoring. I love that. This idea that God is bringing us back to his heart for the way he designed us because it's Mm -hmm. good. And we always, at least for me, I feel like I'm always more effective in my work when I prioritize the time to rest anyway. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, I think we forget that the best work we'll ever do will always come out of like the deep well of our being, you know, and communion with God. Um, and that, I mean, that could be, you could be a plumber, you know, you could be <laughs> a professor, you know, you could be a lot of things, but we disordered relationships with work. Like we will have a disordered relationship with our work when we're seeking to like justify our existence by the ways that yeah. we perform, um, by trying to like get other people to approve of us because like I did this really great thing and I'm really wonderful in these ways because I'm a great blah, blah, blah. Um, right. And it's, it's shifting sand. Like it's absolutely shifting sand. Cause you know, maybe it's a great, maybe you're killing it at work right now. And then the winds change and something's different and you're not tomorrow. And so finding a way to root our identity and thing in something far more solid, you know, God who doesn't change God, who calls us his beloved, sends us out into the world. And the very first day is a day of rest, you know, a God who Mm. is not asking us to work, to gain his approval. Like these are, this is a way of peace, I think. And I think you're, you're right to talk about it in that way. Yeah. That's such a good point as well about the identity piece, because I find that so many women struggle with that. I definitely Mm -hmm. do where I feel like my worth comes from what I'm able to accomplish or, you know, why we, we identify ourselves by what we do. And that's the measure of how good we're doing, how successful we are, you know, like how worthy we are. And it's, it's so true. Like you said, it's really so connected to Mm. coming back to God's original design because if we someday suddenly are not able to be as productive, then what? Then who are we at the end of the day when our work is no longer enough to prove that we are good enough? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I mean, you see people, that's kind of where I retirement can be like so disorienting for people and just aging mm. in general. You know, I think about that a lot. I think now because caring for an aging parent and seeing her in her community and, you know, just being around people who are aging, like you can see how things, all the things that you built your life upon, like are changing. Some of them are just falling away. And I think about, you know, probably one of my heroes in life was my great aunt, my mom's aunt. And um, she was married. Her husband died, actually, I think kind of maybe in his 50s. They never had any children. Um, So she and she was a beautician. Like she did, she styled hair. She lived in Akron, Ohio. She had a little like hair salon in her house. And um, so in terms of like 
you know, kind of worldly measures of success, there really wasn't, it wasn't like she was making a lot of money or that she had this like really amazing career. Um, or even, you know, in terms of other measures of success for women, like she didn't have this, you know, beautiful brood of children who, you know, filled her life with all of this joy. Um, yeah. But she was such an incredible woman of God who like was so vital into her 90s, um, just wow. finding ways to serve. And I think she was the kind of person where her deepest measure of like health was in her relationship with God. And so, hmm. and then yet you never lose that. It doesn't matter if you're 90, it doesn't matter if you're nine or 19, like um, no matter what kind of health you're in, that can be a sure and solid foundation. And I watched her and I always thought, I want to grow old like that. Wow. That's amazing. And honestly, so mm -hmm. encouraging because you're mm -hmm. right. If we find our identity in Christ and we stay rooted in that, it does not matter what we do or don't do. Like that doesn't change. Mm -hmm. I love that. That That's like the perfect image of that. That's so cool mm -hmm. that you got to witness that firsthand. Mm -hmm. I would love to know before you go, is there anything else specifically that you would want to say to a woman who maybe her identity is wrapped up in her work right now and productivity and what she can accomplish? And she just, maybe she's even felt the nudge to slow down, but is resisting it. And it's just, it's just hard to start that letting go process. Yeah. Oh gosh. What would I say? <laughs> I mean, I think about, I think about the rich young ruler, you know, where Jesus, he's like, I kind of want to follow and I kind of don't, you know, and Jesus says, follow me and you're going to have to sell everything. And he's like, Oh, but he goes away sad. And I mm. think that this is where we often find ourselves at the kind of a threshold in life where we want a change and we don't want to change. And I think where we have to start is admitting that, admitting that um, we like being busy. We actually mm. like propping up our sense of self by getting things done. Like, who is this really harming? And, you know, a little bit of self-congratulations, never hurt anyone sort of idea. Yeah. And so I always start there, honestly, in the spiritual life of like just getting really honest with God, like, huh. Lord, I think you may be nudging me to change. Actually, I want to say like nudging me to confess some sin and to repent and to turn to you in greater trust in certain ways. But man, I'm scared or I don't want to do that. Or I don't even know if I would recognize myself if I were not getting these th things done or what would my friends think? Or I would, I don't even know how to even start. I think start, you start there. You start with a really honest conversation. And I think you got to probably involve a friend too. I've always had, you know, anytime I feel a nudge, you know, from the Holy Spirit, like I got to pretty soon tell somebody else that because it's going to be very easy to discount um, either yeah. for reasons of my own resistance or maybe just because I start to doubt it, start to wonder, was that like really the Holy Spirit talking? Um and then I think you have to make, I mean, I think you have to get practical and I think you have to take small steps. I think change is really about small things. Um, so often one reason we resist change is because we think it's like the overhaul. Like I'm not going to mm. just, I, you know, I can't just change this one thing. Like it's going to have to be everything. And it's like, right. well, 
There might be a lot of things that you recognize need to change, but what about the one thing that you could just see through for a period of time where like faithfulness is, you know, God establishes a certain faithfulness in that area. And then it's, and then it's the next thing. And then it's the next. And you're always helped, you know, we don't do these things alone. It's always his right spirit in us. So, um, but I think community is a really big piece of that. I wouldn't want anyone to kind of walk away from this conversation and go, well, you know, it's all going to be about me and my resolve. Like, no, it's probably going to be about you, your weakness, your vulnerability, and you're involving other people in your own um, kind of plan to say, I'm going to just get honest about my life and what's and where God might be leading. Yeah, that's so true because I feel like your environment as well really, I mean, can influence the hustle mentality just as much. And so that's really true. Just getting around people who are in it with you, like in the Mm -hmm. process, like see, seeking the Lord, the same for his design, for his pace. And it really does make such a huge difference. I'm glad you brought that up, Mm. man. I have loved this conversation. I'm so happy that we're having more conversations like this today about how, you know, the world's been preaching hustle hustle culture for a long time and it's catching up to us. Mm. And just the way, like you mentioned with your kids growing up when it is so loud, like those voices are so loud. It's like, it's just going to keep getting more and more intense unless we decide to go another way. So I'm so grateful for what you're doing to teach women about this. And I would love to know if you could just tell us where everybody can find you and connect and get your book. Yeah, you can books, get multiple books. books. <laughs> you can get my books wherever books are sold. So, you know, hopefully you might have a local bookstore that you can support, um, but you can always find them online in many, many different places. Um, and you can find me on my website, jenpollockmichelle.com. And I usually try to write a Monday letter um, to anybody who subscribes. And I do that through the Substack platform so you can you know find all the links there and yeah uh, that's probably the best way i am irregularly on social media um but <laughs> most regularly on instagram that if you if you look for me there so that'd be great perfect well thank you so much for being here thank you for sharing your story and your time again i just really appreciate what you're doing and you guys definitely need to go and get her book that we've been referencing today in good time so so good Oh, thanks, Hannah. It was great chatting. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to tune into another episode of the Byword Show. I love having you here and I'm so thankful for your support. Don't forget to share a screenshot of this episode to let me know you were here. I can't wait to talk again soon, but in the meantime, be sure to come hang out with me on Instagram and remember, I am cheering you on.